Lovewell Creative, in partnership with Crosswalk Church, presents the Sacred Echo Podcast. In this podcast, we'll hear from the teaching team from Crosswalk Church about the upcoming sermon series, sermons, how they process, about faith, life, love, and friendship as well. For more information on Crosswalk Church, go to www.crosswalkvillage.com. Hey everybody, welcome in. This is uh, Tim Gillespie, Patty McCoy, and David Ferguson here at the Sacred Echo Podcast. Thanks for being with us, and thank you guys for being with us. Dave, how's it going? It's going great. It's going fantastically well. The Christmas season is upon us. My hands have sap on them from having put lights on the tree. It's a thing that happens, Patty. Sorry. Yeah. But um, yeah. I, that all the lights are on it. It's something that I kind of love only after it's over, after it's done and the <laughs> lights are on the tree. So that's happened. And so it feels festive at the Ferguson household. So, well, I was going to ask real or fake tree, but clearly it's real. If it's, yeah. if it's a fake it's a tree whole... and he got sap, he's somebody's putting a honey problem. on the tree. How weird is Look, that? The realism <laughs> these days on some of these artificial <laughs> trees. Could be. Patty, can you, being from the Northwest, can you even... Can you have a fake tree? Does that, um, or do they kick you out? Uh, I, I do. So you're not real. Uh, you're not. You're you not know, really from the Northwest. It's, wow. uh, it's a. It's you didn't a go mind... out and you didn't go out into the forest and cut your own tree. Who are you? No, no, I did not. Uh, we haven't been doing that for a while in the McCoy household. There's a variety of reasons uh, to that. It, one involves animals. Two involves you know how <laughs> hot. Wait, wait, get... wait! What animals it, are you involving in cutting a tree down? <laughs> No, I'm not involved in cutting the tree down. I'm like they, they like to eat the tree. When oh, it gets, oh, okay. You know, I didn't know home. if you were like reindeer uh, sled uh, into the mountains no. <laughs> or what you're doing. No, listen, I did my uh, Christmas duty in climbing up on my house and putting lights <laughs> on the gutters, which I have eaves that are really, really steep. I have two of them. Uh, so I'm literally like hanging off, uh, using a rope, trying to get to that corner that's a little far See, away. So you're like, full Griswold, it sounds like yeah, to me. I'm a little, I'm a, I mean, I don't have 25,000 twinkling lights, but uh, I, you know, it looks nice. <laughs> so We're Tim, what about you your Christmas? Safely off the Let roof. Me, I, I'd like to know about Tim's Christmas house. Oh, dude, my house is, my house is crazy Christmas. My wife is for okay. real about decorating for christmas uh, however about halfway through she's always like i hate this i hate this because <laughs> for her it's a massive editing process she's bought a lot of stuff she's really good at going to thrift stores after the fact and yeah. buying stuff so we've got a lot of christmas stuff so our house like like there's a there's a vomiting of christmas that happens on our house and we were the first people in the neighborhood to put up our christmas lights outside just for the record my wife put the bin outside i came home one sunday morning i was doing something i came back and i was like oh I guess I'm supposed to put these up, uh, so I put them up. And then she's like, what happened to the bin? Where is everything? And I was like, that's on the house. And she's like, oh, no, I was just putting it out here because I was moving some stuff around. <laughs> and I was like, well, you're welcome. There you go. So our neighbors have been looking at our uh, red and white Christmas lights that are very put up very nicely, yeah. I will say. Yeah. So well, we, well, we do have a fake course, tree. We do have a fake tree. Yeah, I will say that. We were traveling over Thanksgiving, <laughs> as you know. And so we got back here and we're kind of digging out from under everything that was going on. And so it was this last Sunday, it was a couple of days ago that we put up our Christmas decorations. So I had two different sets of carolers <laughs> at our home 
pre there being any decoration for Christmas at our so that we felt little. You, you live in a different part of the country. Yes, yeah, nobody's true. doing like, that. Nobody's doing that in my neck of the woods. <laughs> I think we get. You. Yeah, yeah. No, no one's no one's caroling at our house either. <laughs> uh, you poor folks. I feel so badly about it. We'll get around to your houses too. <laughs> in Portland, if they did that, it, it would have to be different. They'd like do a a naked caroling, or they would do something that's very Portland. You know, like the the naked bike run that they do every year. Um, yeah. Just craziness. But they, thankfully, they don't do that. <laughs> everyone was clothed so christmas say. story i think yeah. that's a good segue <laughs> yeah i think weirdly yeah go for it <laughs> uh talking today I, I reflecting about uh the the bethlehem adventure right mm. um mm-hmm. to that and and i think uh did dave did you preach this weekend or do you have uh yes yeah, yeah, so we all we all preached on it. Curious, um, you know, as to yes, we did. the thrust of each uh, each person's sermon. <laughs> I haven't listened yet. Sorry, I haven't gone through. Well, why don't you st- Why don't you start us off? Why don't you start? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I think um, you know, you had we had to introduce a series which we talked about a little bit last week um, in talking about risk, uh, all the all the risks involved, uh, uh, and really God's risk. Um, that he took um, on us to come and be uh, to to do this adventure, um, and where I ended up uh, ultimately kind of landing is is just the idea of the light and the dark and the difference and how in the you know uh, the line from Isaiah that we're all um, that everywhere they looked uh, there was darkness, anguish, and despair that that was the time that they were living in, um, and we try to fix that darkness, anguish, and despair ourselves. Uh, we try to find light from within um, to fix that, but we needed light from somewhere else, um, and and so it was really an uh, emphasis on hope, um, and uh, that we then are called to bring that hope into the world, so that one day there is no darkness, anguish, or despair. That was kind of a bit of the thrust. Of course, talking about um, risk all along the way, so that's kind of where I landed it this week. Hmm. Well, that was that was Good. very efficient. You telling us that? Sure. Well, you know, yeah. Thanks for coming to the podcast, Tim. You, I guess we're, I guess we're done. <laughs> That's right. I guess we're done. It's <laughs> always hard, you know, when you and Tim, you know this more. Like when you write the series guide, and then in one way you've done the sermon prep, but then in another way you start writing. You're like, well, I kind of said that in the series guide. Well, and I kind of said that in the series guide. So then you're you're trying to mix it up a little bit. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. Well, I think Tim, you you focused a bit on risk as well, right? Yeah, I did. That's kind of where I landed. um, Was that the greatest risk was the one that God took on us? Yeah, yeah. But I did talk about I did talk about like the inherent risk of some of the things that they had to deal with. With you know, just you know, putting a a woman who's nine months pregnant at least on a donkey like that's (laughs) inherently risky. I think I said at the end of that line is if anyone questions uh, Mary's sainthood, um, I think that's all you need to know. She spent eight to 10 hours a day for four days straight on a donkey. Right. So, yeah. You know, I in 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 talking about risk, you know, kind of introducing the series this weekend, um, I had a list of, of things that I'd found in some different sites about Portland. Um, and how you know you're a you're a Portland native. One of those, of course, was that you know they we love adventure, and so that's kind of what I led into it with. But I had one that didn't land at all that I thought was pretty funny. But I said, you know, you're a Portland native 
when you've at least once thought about trading in your Subaru Outback for a Toyota Prius. Um, <laughs> and that that didn't land. Like people are like, well, I have thought about that. Um, so I don't know what you're talking about. I don't think I don't right. know why that's funny. I was like, okay, all right, well, scratch that one. <laughs> oh, that's I great. Mean, maybe you don't understand the culture as well as you I, think you do. Or maybe you understand it too much. They, they just took it really personally, I think. Uh, and that close was not to home, intent. huh? Yeah, hit a little well, too this, close to home. This is the problem, right? This is the problem with being too contextualized within a small area. So, for instance, I said, if you're not sure what it's like to ride a donkey, go up to Ritchie Canyon and find one of the donkeys that's there and try and ride it this afternoon. I'm sure it'll be fine, which is a very specific reference to a very specific canyon where there's lots of donkeys for some reason um, around here <laughs> up in Red. Like Ritchie wild canyon. donkeys? It, yeah, wild donkeys. Like, go oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah, huh. I heard that reference and I was, I was flooded with questions as yeah, I listened to that. No, it's a that. very specific <laughs> reference. That's the, you know, that's the problem with preaching. I, I didn't use it on what we sent to the sites. I didn't use that particular reference because they would not have understood it. But, uh, but my 1030 service got weird. Like it got funny and strange and like I laughed a lot. I don't know if people were laughing with me, but it got, I'm not even sure which one we're posting this year if you want to go back and see them. Um, but like you ever you ever do that you ever just stand up on the on the on the platform and you can tell like they're ready to go wherever i'm gonna go um you say the first thing that's out of the box and they're just like yeah let's do it and so that was my 10 30 it was it just got weird not gonna lie yeah (laughs) that's kind of fun though it's fun i I, I, i let one of the risks that i talked about how we um you know, the, the risks we take all the time that we know or we ignore or whatever driving, you know, that there's over 5 million collisions every year from driving. And I have my, my director of guest experience in Portland has been in several accidents in the last year and a half. And so I wasn't going to say anything, but you know, when you're up front and something just slips out and I, I say 5 million uh, collisions and, and I say half of those were from Yuli um, <laughs> and and then she burst out in laughter and I thought, okay, all right, well, at least she's, at least she can laugh about it. So, um, but you know, it's, it's, uh, it is crazy to think about, um, you know, I hadn't really until the, the, you know, diving into the series from an adventure standpoint, I hadn't thought about the fact that, you know, Joseph likely took Mary because of the fear of leaving her by herself in Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and what may happen. And then I got to thinking too, not that I spent a lot of time, I I didn't talk about this. Um, but I got to thinking they go back to Nazareth, right. Um, you know, after time in Bethlehem and after time in Egypt, they go back there, which to me seems odd because, you know, you're going back to the place that, you know, you were at such great risk and people had judged you so poorly. It's an interesting. Well, and think about when, when this happens in Bethlehem and they, leave they go to egypt not nazareth mm-hmm. well yeah so i would guess that was a, a safety thing right mm-hmm. so the the cocktail of danger there is is maybe not even fully easy to wrap one's mind around what would yeah. cause being in just a completely foreign country being being the answer to that <clears throat> yeah yeah and i i think too guys like Again, this was something that I wanted to I wanted to think more about. But you know, when you talk about the risk and and um, you know that God took on us, um, 
I mean, if Mary and Joseph had just really sucked at being parents, <laughs> if <laughs> if something like just really went wrong, I mean, you know, would would the divine swoop in and fix it? Um, you know, or just let things happen. Um, you know, like I just well, wonder what, what would have happened had it gone wrong. Well, you know, what leaps to my mind is, you know, as John says that the word became flesh, right? So I've got this easy linkage to the idea of how God treats, um, because we have an interesting, um, sense of how God handles inspiration with scripture, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is it possible for humans, if they're given the privilege of participating in the writing of Scripture, um, is it possible for there to be mistakes? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's unavoidable that there are scriptural challenges, right? Whether it just let's take, for instance, um, all the differences in the Gospels in terms of how they line things up and so on. And and we will kind of um, happily, lovingly point out that these are from different perspectives, different people, so on, right? But on some level, I think the criticism would be, but yeah, but it feels a little bit close to mistakes even uh, at times, right? That, that there is... Um, and so I, I'm... That's an interesting thing. I don't know if you can follow where I'm headed here, but but your point was, you know, okay, so there's somebody who, there are humans that are taking care of, I'll use John's words, the Word of God, right? Um, in Mary and Joseph, the Word becomes flesh, right? Could they have made mistakes? Well, they're going to be completely human, that's for sure. And it would be troubling to me if they didn't, actually. It would be... It would suggest to me that now my failings are all the more a big, big problem with me mm. rather than with humanity, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. On some level. And so that I don't know, I quickly kind of found my mind jumping to the parallel of God putting his written word in the hands of humans. Mm. And they mm. yeah. are entirely human that whole time. Um and so does God actually put it in their hands or not? And sometimes we have a hard time thinking that way about Scripture. It seems impossible to think any other way with regard to Mary and Joseph. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's interesting um, that I, I I thought about when my when my um, in laws adopted uh, a child after you know seven years. I think I write about this in the series guide, but. Um, they, they adopted a, a kiddo after, uh, seven years of not being able to have kids. Um, uh, it's a long story. It's a great story. It's one of my favorite ones, but I remember because they felt so much, they felt so blessed by this gift, um, of a child that they were almost that much more concerned or worried that they were going to mess up the gift somehow. Hmm. Um, you know, and, and so they got really nervous about that for a period of time. And I, I kind of, at one point I said, well, do you think do you think God was a bad parent, which is why Adam and Eve chose to rebel, um, you know, or or did he give them freedom to choose? And so that that was just something that happened, um, you know, and that that alleviated things a little bit, um, you know, at least the the feeling of the pressure, which I imagine was so much greater in in some ways for Mary and Joseph. I mean, if they had any inkling on what was really happening, um, to to think that they were not going to mess it up somehow. Um, 
Mm. must have been something I think um, I I would have wrestled with it. Hmm. Well, I think we all wrestle with that, right? I mean, it's it certainly it's one thing to to you know have the the child of God, if you will. But just think about the way that we feel about our own kids mm-hmm. and how we don't want to screw them up, right? And sure. yeah, and and what level is the responsibility that we have when they do mess up, right? Um. So yeah, I would I would think let's heighten that anxiety. That makes it difficult to parent. <laughs> I would think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, on on some level, I think maybe there is a a um, connection to how parents feel about their children, to how Mary and Joseph would have felt about having the Messiah come in, because it is when you have a child, there is a sense of its purity and its um, it's not being messed up particularly, or if if in fact it was born with some challenge um i i it you don't end up feeling like that's that child's fault i don't think um you may feel like it's yours and i think that the 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 spiritual nature of what it feels like the call to parent parenting is um at least a relative um connection to what it would feel like to be responsible for something so important as the Messiah. Um, there is a, there is a related feeling, I think, um, which is part of why it's so, um, it's so challenging to be a parent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think too, you know, I mean, thinking about this from the Bethlehem you know, adventure experience. And I, I got into thinking about the, you know, well, why Bethlehem? I get that David was, was born there. Um, but that was a thousand years before Jesus comes into the picture. Um, you know, it wasn't like it was a, a bustling town. It was agrarian. It was, you know, more, more sheep than people. Um, you know, and, and, and you could have come in in Jerusalem. He could have been born there the capital. He could have been born. Like he really wanted to stick it to the superpower, have him born in Rome. Um, you know, and we'll, we'll show you, uh, right from the get go. But to me, in some ways, Bethlehem, uh, the choice there is just another choice that, uh, God loves, you know, he loves an underdog. Mm. He, he loves to choose places and people and things that, uh, you know, would, it's, it's going to be so clear that it was God who did this. Mm, right. Um, you know, and, uh, I think that that to me, I think Bethlehem, you know, obviously a carpenter, a teenage girl, um, you know, there's all sorts of things, um, you know, coming to shepherds and telling them of the announcement that the Christ child was here instead of to the religious leaders or, or anyone else, uh, in that picture is just God's, God's love for the underdog. <laughs> yeah. You know, that was the overarching, um, focus that kept surfacing, resurfacing, and then ended up being the biggest point in, in my teaching, um, was I think captured by the simple phrase that God chooses little things repeatedly, and yeah. we did a little. We played a little game with with Christmas carols at the beginning. How how quickly can you finish the Christmas carol? How many words does it take? If you say "hark," I think you pretty well got it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
O is a problem. You probably need to throw down little next, but then you've got it right. A little town of Bethlehem, and um, this this that was probably the the ultimate and final call piece of the teaching that I gave was um, no matter how you feel in the room, what you brought in here, or how disconnected, or the the story that you're telling yourself, just know this: God continually, regularly, and deeply in this story chooses the little things it's a mm-hmm. it's a young girl who does has never been a, a mother who's now an outcast and a questioning carpenter who's he's he's nothing special in a in a small town that doesn't even have a stoplight right um and and he does that today right that's his deal is a completely different metric of evaluation than we would um, for for us as well, um, and maybe if you're feeling small, <laughs> you, that you're perfectly lined up for the Christmas story. Yeah, yeah, that's I, I've I've told plenty of college students that over the years that you know, man, if you feel like you're called to something that you're not sure you can do, then that probably means God's in that call because you know it, it often feels like it's something bigger that I'm I'm not going to be able to do this without God's help, right? You know? Um, and he can't imagine that. And I, and, and maybe that was part of it for, you know, Joseph and Mary too. Like, I don't know how this is going to work, but, but God said he's going to be with us. So I have to trust in that. I think, I think the brilliance of this series, Patty, and I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you credit for this is the, um, is this idea of risk, right? What I heard after, after preaching this sermon, um, the overwhelming consistent remark was i've never thought about the inherent risk in all of this right like i never and i i played with the uh i played with the idea of words that we associate with uh with christmas um i played with that idea at the beginning basically um i found a a website called the top tens and mm. did some highly academic research on that website by finding <laughs> a top 10 list of words that we associate with christmas and so I went down and then I basically said, Hey, there's the one word that we don't associate with Chris, with Christmas, but maybe we should. And that word is risk. And mm-hmm. like, there was an aha moment in the congregation, like, yeah, wait a second. We've never thought about that. And then mm-hmm. just talking about like, like you said, you know, just, just the donkey ride, right? The inherent risk going from Nazareth to Bethlehem, the inherent risk of being in Bethlehem, the social risk, all, all these, all these things were pretty overwhelming. Um, and yet we take them as, oh yeah, of course that's, that's what everybody does. Yeah. Nobody, nobody went from Nazareth to Bethlehem unless they had to, like they, that's not, that's a long trip. Nobody's interested in doing that. Most people stayed within like a 10 mile radius of their, their little village that they grew up in. So why would they consider going further than that? So yeah, I think, I think that's kind of, it's exciting to unpack all the risk that's inherently involved in all of these um, different emphasis that we're taking throughout this series. And so Patty, good job. Good job. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well done. Goodness. I mean, you waited well, till December to have a good idea, but we're glad you did. Hey, you know, <laughs> I had to get it in right at the, before the end of the year, at least one. Um, but yeah, I mean, we think about, I, I, I think I leaned into this idea of, um, you know, like when you think about the Christmas story, it's become like a kid's story, 
right? It's it's camels and donkeys and and uh, kids dressed up in in white sheets with tinfoil uh, halos around their head. You know, I mean, we've we've be, we've become so used to the story that we don't think about. I mean, it it wasn't just the you know the things that we know and we can see. You know, the the Bethlehem, the the Nazareth to Bethlehem, the um, uh, you know, having a child perception wise out of wedlock, you know, all these other kinds of things. It was also the, the, the great conflict, you know, the battle of, of good and evil, um, you know, and the things we can't see that was a great risk. And I think, I think that's some of what we'll, we'll continue to get into over these next few weeks, um, you know, is, is that inherent risk, um, that was involved and whether or not ever, even the, you know, I've even thought about with, we talk about the angels, like whether or not they knew everything, um, you know, that was going to happen. I mean, that was such a risky endeavor uh, on every front. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I, Um, and I think probably just uh, reading and listening to the um, to the series guide for this week, it may be that uh, Patty, you're going to embed a bit more of the wise men uh, story in this coming week. I, in doing my study around the little town of Bethlehem, couldn't. Uh, couldn't stay away fully from the wise men's visit because, of course, this leads to this moment, this question of, well, where, well, where is it? Where would they be? And I, I had never really before thought about this because have you had this thought? Okay, so these they're, they're traveling from from you know somewhere Iran, Iraq, and they're they're following a star, something in the skies, right? Does the star go out? Is it gone now? You know, right? Why are they now confused? And it never really dawned on me that 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 Bethlehem um, could possibly even be seen from portions of Jerusalem, right? Uh, you know, the south of Jerusalem, you could probably even see that's Bethlehem right there. So if it's something in the night sky, I'm not sure how much you'd be able to differentiate between the temple, where the temple was, and where Bethlehem was, four miles away or whatever it is. Um. And so now the confusion, you know, because of course, if they're if they're following this celestial body, they might even, as they're asking, where would this child be, be able to point, you know, see that star right there? That shouldn't be here. <laughs> it's it's not in and and they're in Jerusalem and they're talking their way around and it's a decent enough retinue of foreigners who are babbling on about a new king that it rises to the surface of the conversation. Um, and so I'd never really thought about the possibility that they 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 can't tell anything more than somewhere right near around here and you, you guys surely you would know and then of course the the easy and quick answer on the part of the priest said well duh that's bethlehem if mm-hmm. if, if if it's the messiah it's it's bethlehem and so i found myself thinking about a couple of different things that kind of can tumble out of that story one of them being and, and i think we talked about it that that um while the priests, the, the the people who knew the most couldn't be troubled to experience the Christ, <laughs> and mm-hmm. that is a common opportunity for all of us, right? Um, even to be very curious and dig in deep about information, but not be able to be bothered with an experience with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that um, the 
the perspective that the Wiseman took when in their approach to studying. And Patty, I thought one thing that you put in the series guide that was really helpful was why would they have even known that this was something happening? And you hearkened back mm-hmm. to the Babylonian captivity. I think you did mm-hmm. that, or did I read it somewhere else? Yeah, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's the direction they came from. Right. Uh, so the idea that there would have been texts left behind is pretty, I mean, it kind of yeah. makes sense. I think that's, I think that's genius, actually. Um, I hadn't really, I hadn't really thought about that before, but they have a different perspective, right, on the text that allows them to see things, perhaps that you don't when it's when it's something you own. Like, for instance, and um, this may make somebody mad. I don't know. There's a there's a higher critical scholar that I follow on Instagram, um, and he's a brilliant guy. He just got an award from the um, from the academic religious society um, for his academic work. Um, brilliant biblical scholar. Um, he clearly doesn't believe in any of it, right? But that gives him, his perspective is really interesting to me in the fact that he can say things that a believer is going to have a hard time saying, but it gives a perspective that I found has really been helpful in me understanding scripture and actually has boosted my understanding of, and my belief in scripture. Um, so, um, I, I think I think when you have a different perspective, sometimes you can see things that other people can't see, right? Mm-hmm. You can see the you can see the forest and the trees, and sometimes mm-hmm. we can't do that because we so desperately want to believe it that we can't see some of the things that are there. I don't know. Does that make any mm-hmm. sense? Yeah, it it makes sense because it had to. You know, you always ask, well, why didn't the why didn't the the r- religious leaders figure this out? Um, you know, if, if the, if the wise men left nine months, which, you know, the scholars think it would have taken that long, like they had nine months to see this light and, and connect the dots. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. But it took foreigners coming in with a different, like you said, perspective who are able to come in and say, Hey, this, uh, this Messiah you've been waiting for, we, we actually, he's here. Right. <laughs> well, and th- think about this. Um, so the, the the wise men come in, they ask this question, and they get the, the correct answer, and they go to find him. So um, here's the crazy part. The priests don't seem to believe that they're onto something. <laughs> Herod does believe they're onto something. Right. That's why he kills the children. Yeah. Otherwise, if he right. thinks this is all just hocus pocus, who cares, whatever, wives' tale stuff, then just let him wander out in the you know countryside and go home. Yeah. What's the big deal? He's going to risk the political capital of slaughtering some children <laughs> because he actually does believe this could be um, a messiah that will arise, mm-hmm. right? That's right. crazy mm-hmm. that out of the three groups— <laughs> Two of them, different sections of foreigners who are non-believers, they believe, and the professed believers can't seem to even go investigate. Yeah, and and wasn't Herod kind of, um, you know, I I mean he he had well, he was paranoid anyway, but he had a paranoia that that a ruler was going to come from the east, right? So he he fortified and and did things on the eastern part of of Jerusalem and and built you know fortresses out that way so that he could protect against that um you know and and so i think you know for him the lights went on pretty quickly probably um you know i mean he was he was waiting for this moment and uh, again interesting how he receives it 
is just you know fits his character he's gonna he's gonna get rid of the threat right well i mean right. just just because just because you're paranoid doesn't mean that something's not coming yeah 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 you know the other the other little um pause moment in the teaching that i that i that got into my heart too was <clears throat> here we have the beauty of the christmas story and there are so many ways that the christmas story is not beautiful i mean we've found a way to make cow poop beautiful right in the in the nativity right um yeah yeah i said it in the teaching yeah. too <laughs> well, the word poop I've, um maybe <laughs> but yeah, but uh but this i mean I some mean, people call it manure I, yeah. You know. yeah yeah sure same thing weirdly um and and everything that i've been told is that it smells identical uh anyway <laughs> But I found myself thinking about the the slaughtering of these children, right? And and there's this weird kind of thing that happens when you go through the gymnastic of figuring out how many people that might have been, right? So the first the first thought is, wow, I mean, how could a leader come back from this to just slaughter a bunch of little boys two and under? How crazy would that have been? And then I thought to myself, goodness, would any of those children have actually been the children of some of the shepherds who were in the field that night, mm. right? Who came and worshiped at the, you know, I mean, that's kind of a thought I've never had. But then, okay, so then we do the do, do some checking and the historians that would say, well, for a thousand people potentially that live in this tiny, tiny backwater town and what is it, 9% or whatever it is that they're saying that might be children of, the next thing you know, historians are saying maybe between 10 and 20 children. And there's a part of your 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 instinct that says oh okay so that's not so bad <laughs> wait we didn't and we dedicated a child this last weekend right mm. it's just mm. it only takes one right yeah for it to be hideous and the worst and yeah. and and then my mind went to this you know it's not just way back then it's today it's easy not to pay attention and actually have your heart beat somehow at the loss of a small child if it's the wrong child mm -hmm. if it's not one of ours if it's from across the tracks if it's not you know right mm -hmm. um it's so easy to lose track of and that this is a part tragedy is a part of the christmas story right and it will be a part of this december too um, but it's so easy to think of, you know, Christmas lights and packages under a tree and carolers at the door in certain parts of the country other than yours and, um, wassail again, whatever that is, <laughs> um, cinnamon's involved, I think, but, but there's tragedy in all of, all of this too. And that's why Jesus came in the first place. That's good. Yeah, it's good, Dave. Yeah. Interesting, man. It's it's to me to me um I mean there's so much more that we can do and we will um throughout this series because I think what we're leaning into this next week is the idea of the inherent risk of Rome. Um mm. which is a, that that we can go on for a long time because there's a lot of fascinating risk within the context and culture that we're we're dealing with in that particular time um but this this series 
is what I like about it is that it's reminding us that there's a way to look at this slant, the story that we've seen so many times, right? There's a way to look at it through a prism that changes the way we understand it to be. And that is, um, that's beautiful. And that's something that I've always found fascinating about scripture. And what's interesting here, I think, is um, all three of us preached on these same texts, essentially, and took different different um, perspectives on it. And, um, and it's, you know, somebody who's a real student of this, there's somebody who might be going through and saying, oh yeah, well, I, I, Dave was right. And, uh, you know, Patty was right and Tim was wrong. <laughs> um, but it's yeah. not, it's not really that kind of a qualification, right? Those are categories that aren't really existing. It's what's relevant. It's what's applicable. It's what, um, what is insightful and thoughtful and, um, and grows, our congregations, which is pretty, it's, it's, I don't even know what I'm trying to say here. It's fascinating to me that there's a world in which we can do this looking at the same text, right? Even though I know we didn't all use the same emphasis because I had, I actually used a bunch of texts that bleed it into what I should be doing for next week, but I'm using other texts for that. So I'm not really, (laughs) the series guide's a good reference point for me. Just, it's like a diving board really to just jump off jump off of but i i'm super appreciative it, of it yeah it is hard in the story to not jump ahead though i mean i felt i i, I sure. felt that this last week you know i felt uh it, when you start talking about parenting when we start talking about you know the angels and, and rome yeah it's it's hard not to skip ahead in the story uh, but there's just so much to unpack so i i'm looking forward to it as well i think it's a it's a fun way to come at it and, and hopefully you know hopefully we're inviting our communities too into that you know, into that risk, recognizing that, you know, I, I say all the time, God never promised us easy. He just said he'd be with us. Right. Um, you know, right. so, right. And, and the Christ child is the, is that symbol. Yep. No, that's good stuff, guys. I think that that about covers it for this week. Um, so appreciative of both your work and your ministry to your congregations and to me as well. Um, and for those who are listening, thank you guys for um, keeping up and keeping on. Make sure you check out the Chattanooga sermons as well as the Portland sermons. They're all available on our, our podcast po- platforms. You can go to um, crosswalkvillage.com and get links to all those and subscribe. Um, so you can get a lot of takes on, on what it is that we're doing. And uh, we're just really appreciative that you're here. Remember to think about your giving towards the end of the year here for your particular um, campus that you're on so we can make sure that we don't have to think about this year when we're moving into next year, but we can just think about where God is launching us and how we're going. So thank you for everything. We really appreciate you all. And of course, love well. Thank you so much for joining us on the Sacred Echo podcast. This has been brought to you by Love Well Creative in partnership with Crosswalk Church. If you would like to give for more digital content, please go to www.crosswalkvillage.com give and click on the online option under fund. Thank you so much for giving. Thank you so much for supporting. And thank you so much for being part of what God is doing through Crosswalk Church and Lovewell Creative.